This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. And welcome back to White Ladies in Crisis. It's a podcast dedicated to women losing their marbles. I am Joe Lipset, and I am joined as always by Gina Radcliffe. Hello. As well as Jen Adams. Hello. And it's 2022, y'all. We are kicking the new year off with a sexy bang. <laughs> We're talking about In the Cut. This is a 2003 film with Meg Ryan and Mark Ruffalo. This is like definition of erotic thriller, no? Yeah. Totally. And definition of a white lady in crisis. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. yes, 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 yes. Yep. <laughs> so folks, if you have not seen this film, uh, remarkably it feels like it's having a bit of a resurgence in terms of people rediscovering it, reappraising it. It is from 2003. It's about a high school teacher played by Meg Ryan who basically falls into a murder plot because a body part is discovered outside of her window in New York City, and then she ends up having a steamy affair with the police officer who is investigating the crime, and he may or may not be the killer. And with that, we're going to move into spoiler territory. Spoilers. (laughs) He is not. No. He is not, but also he's not entirely, he doesn't seem like he's entirely innocent either. Oh my god, he is so shady. Uh-huh. We, we, you know, one, one, th- one glaring thing that they never actually explained is why he has a, a key to the sister's apartment. That's never actually explained. Or how did he get the charm from her bracelet? Is it because he mugged her? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it is his partner who ends up being the killer. So if they are partners in work, then are they maybe not partners in crime also? Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of unanswered questions, and I feel like it's in part because the movie cares less about this reveal. Like, I really feel, feel free to disagree with me, but when I was watching it, it seemed like this movie is far more interested in the Meg Ryan character. Her name is Brandy Avery. (laughs) And it seems like the movie is most interested in her obsession with this man and her struggle to sort of compose herself and it just so happens that there's murders happening and she might be in danger right mm-hmm. oh yeah i i and i found that plot more interesting than than yeah. the plot of you know who killed this anonymous woman that all we really know of her is that she you know gives blowjobs to dudes in bars mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean who's not guilty of that right <laughs> totally you know <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was trying to think, like, what is this movie actually saying? Like, what is the point of this movie? And that sounds like, that probably sounds rude, or like, I did not like it, because <laughs> I, like, I did really, en- <laughs> exactly, like, I, because I did really enjoy it, but it's kind of one of those movies, I feel like, where I just kind of go along for the ride, you know, and I don't know if I felt like there was, other than the multiple climaxes, like, an mm. actual climactic, like, oh, we're finished with this arc kind of no yeah no i i it's it ends very ambiguously which i Mm -hmm. thought was interesting yeah what i also thought was interesting is that and i say this because i just watched and reviewed the movie the lost daughter oh right Mm -hmm. which is different in themes but also presents to the audience a protagonist who makes a lot of oh let's use the word puzzling decisions (laughs) 
uh, about their life and the things that they do and the way they, they act towards people. And yet the movie never once passes judgment on them for it. Love it. Love it. Or makes them feel like that whatever happens to them is, you know, because they, they deserve it for, for what they have done. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, the, you know, the obvious comparison to this movie would be the movie Looking for Mr. Goodbar, which mm-hmm. you know, is very similar in theme. you got this very sort of, she presents herself to the world as sort of buttoned down school teacher who has mm-hmm. this sort of secret second life where she goes out, picks up dudes who are a little sketchy and may get a little violent with her for, for one night stands. And then the movie ends where she's murdered by one of them. Oh my God, mm. no. And the, the movie kind of suggests that, well, of course this is the natural mm-hmm. progression of something like this. If you do this kind of thing, it's going to catch up with you eventually. Wasn't she mm-hmm. asking for it, Gina? Right, exactly. <laughs> what was she We're wearing? Hell. Yeah. Oh, right. God. Where, whereas, whereas this is just sort of, well, she's obviously got some emotional issues. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she works that out by engaging in, you know, maybe some, you know, not exactly healthy sexual behavior, which is not uncommon. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, totally. a, a lot of people <laughs> go through a phase where they sleep with the wrong people. They they make a beeline for someone they know in advance is going to mistreat them. Gina, I wouldn't know anything about that. Not at all. <laughs> I know, right? Nor would I. <laughs> it wasn't my 20s at all. <laughs> Wait, who are we? How did they get footage of our lives? What? I know. <laughs> you know and, if you, and, if you, and if that hasn't been you at some point, it certainly has been someone you've known. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if something, God forbid, happened to that person, they got beaten or worse, they got murdered, you would never actually say, oh, well, they deserved it. No. Right. Mm-mm. But movies mm-hmm. sure do love to pass judgment, don't they? Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas this movie... It's you know Queen Jane Campion. She yes. does she does not pass judgment on this character. She doesn't encourage the audience to pass judgment on her. Mm-hmm. And it's really mm-hmm. refreshing. Yeah, it feels like, and maybe I think the when I was saying like, what is the point? I just don't necessarily feel like she has as much of an arc as it is just kind of a portrait of a woman just kind of going through some stuff and dealing with it in, you know, like, yes, in some ways healthy, in some ways unhealthy. Like part of what I love about her is that she, she does seem pretty self-possessed, you know, Mm -hmm. she seems like she's not throwing herself at this guy, you know, which I enjoyed. And, and I love the, I don't know if we want to get all the way to the end, right now but i love that nobody saves her that she saves oh, yeah. herself yeah she yeah. she makes Loved it impossible it. to save her which is which is which, which i love it it's it's, it's mm-hmm. what a what a unique twist mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's just this like type of woman that we just don't see that often on screen and maybe that's kind of why as we're unpacking this why i didn't quite know what to make of it or what to make of her yeah she's just being who she is for better or worse you know Hmm. Yeah, I'm one of those people who tends to struggle with films that don't have at least a, an interest in a narrative. Like if you're not interested in plot, I have a tendency to struggle with you mm-hmm. as a film. And yet I found that I was really enraptured in this, if only because the film gives off this like, don't fucking care about the erotic thrillerness of it, like care about this woman, care about this relationship. It's very much like holding a mirror up to the audience and saying, how do you feel about the choices that she's making? 
And isn't Mm -hmm. that more on you than it is about her? Because really, when you take this step back, here is this totally sexually liberated woman, like the sexual agency between Mm -hmm. this character and then her stepsister, Pauline, who is played by genre icon Jennifer Jason Leigh. (laughs) These two women are just talking so candidly and refreshingly about wanting to have sex and how it makes them feel. And like, yeah, at times... Maybe they sound like they're a little bit desperate or they're a little bit strung out by their desire. But holy fuck, how relatable are these two women, even as you're like, oh, girls, no, don't sleep with these men. They're bad. They're very Mm -hmm. bad men. Oh, totally. The moment that the movie won me over was when Jennifer Jason Leigh, I think, says, the things I do to get a dick in me. (laughs) That line is classic. Oh, I know. But even like when she is pining for a husband, it's not pathetic, you know? No. It's like, this is just something that I would like for my life, you know? But I get the sense that she is, like, she is as happy as, as most people are, you know? Like, she's not blissfully single all day long, but she's like, not like, again, she's not throwing herself at guys, you know? Even though she has mm-hmm. a married man. I think that she is, you know, she's drawn to Mark Ruffalo because he is very direct <laughs> which you yes. know mm-hmm. that's a lot of you know people you know men and women alike just aren't like that but he's just you know honing right in telling yeah. her what he wants and mm-hmm. he's got that big mustache energy you know <laughs> oh yeah i love mark ruffalo i've mm-hmm. had a crush on him at river since he started playing bruce banner right and i gotta say it's real weird seeing him with this kind of <laughs> I know. Oh, I kept thinking, like, calm down, Mark. Jeez. Yeah, and and, and when you oh, think about it, he will he will never get to play anything like this ever no. again. He will uh-huh. never play anything like this again. But it's just he's just dropping the c word and, and mm-hmm. telling people that, like, mm. and like eating someone out from behind, and it's like, oh, uh-huh. man. and it's yeah. like, oh, wow. Okay, I don't know how I feel about you. I just think you're such a sweet little teddy bear, and yet you know, mm-hmm. here you are. I mean, my God, can I tell you how I felt? Because (laughs) I was like that gif of that woman fanning herself and then fainting onto the ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, no, it's it's hot as hell. It's just, I was just taken aback because I was just like, that's not my Mark Ruffalo. (laughs) I know. (laughs) He's literally his own evil twin. (laughs) But in the best way possible. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is maybe the horniest movie I've seen in a very long time. Uh Uh-huh. And I, I think the reason why it is, you know, getting a, seeing a resurgence is because, you know, and this has been a thing that, you know, has been talked about for a while now, is that movies that are coming out now, particularly with the advent of comic book movies, are just so sterile, sexless. So movies. sexless, yeah. And you don't, you know, the only time you're seeing, you know, adult characters having sex are like in like the little tiny artsy movies. But mm-hmm. you're not getting like these big budget, you know, prestige movies with sex scenes in anymore. So I think mm-hmm. now when this movie first came out, it got terrible reviews. Oh, terrible man. reviews. People were so critical. Yeah, they were they mm-hmm. were certain it was going to tank Meg Ryan's career. And I think it did for a while. It did for a while. Yeah. yeah. She didn't do a lot because mm-hmm. this was the first time she'd ever done nudity let alone graphic mm-hmm. you know, having a graphic sex scene people just did not know what to think of it and now i think with you know we're sort of you know aching for these kinds of movies now now it's like hey this movie's actually pretty good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well and i think part of what we've been dancing around is that this film 
I mean, yes, Mark Ruffalo has, as you mentioned, Jen, big mustache energy. (laughs) But I think overall, this film is not just exuding sexuality. To me, it is exuding confident female sexuality. And like, hello, we have a female director, Jane Campion, honest to God, one of the greatest living directors working today. I wonder if part of the resurgence does have everything to do with the fact that she just released a new movie that is probably Mm -hmm. going to get nominated for a shit ton of Oscars and very well deserved. Power of the Dog, Mm -hmm. go see it. But also we have a female screenwriter in Susanna Moore who is adapting her own novel. And Mm -hmm. I just think that this film so implicitly understands gays and female sexuality and female desire and, and just like adult relationships. Like when people talk about sex, it is nasty and frank and funny and sexy like this movie feels so real in all of those ways in ways that other films seem to dance around because they're afraid of being too provocative yeah yeah it feels very very real like this is what body confidence to me feels like it Mm. actually is it's not like yay i love my body it's like the confidence to just kind of sit around naked and talk to somebody, you know? The part where Meg Ryan, like, opens the window to yell at Mark Ruffalo's partner and, like, her shirt is half on and she's just Mm -hmm. wearing a bra and you're thinking, like, there's such a a lack of, not self-awareness, but just, like, a lack of shame. She's like, yes, "Yes, like, I'm I'm mad. I'm feeling emotions. I'm not going to stop so I can adjust my top and look composed. Right, right. And I mean, I will say she she does have a very attractive body or like she has the definition of like an attractive thin body, you know, so Mm -hmm. she doesn't have as much of what society would tell her to be ashamed of. I hope I'm saying that in a way that's not, you know, is kind. But it's also worth mentioning that she was almost 40 here. She is Mm -hmm. 42 or 43 when this film is released. So, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's another thing that's that's remarkable is that she waited this long to 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 do these kinds of scenes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This isn't a shoot it when you're 23 before the tits drop kind of thing. This is like, I'm comfortable with my body. I'm at the point in my career where I'm now ready to do this kind of stuff. Which is really empowering, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, it do. Do you know, was this a body double at all or was this her? No, this is her. That, that's awesome. Because she she's she talked about like having to film the sex scenes and that uh, mm-hmm. Jane Campion you know, made sure to have very few people on the set when they were mm-hmm. being done and and that she felt you know as comfortable as she possibly could have given the given the circumstances, which yeah. I can't even imagine because yeah, like oh, some of these scenes are so they're they're not even graphic but they feel so graphic. Because they feel so real, you know, mm-hmm. like right. I was watching this and I've been, you know, I've had a journey with my body and like accepting myself. And, you know, and this is the kind of thing I could see myself watching to make myself more comfortable with my own body. You know, like there's just like confidence exudes from this movie, you know, mm-hmm. even in scenes where she is feeling very low. It's never because of her body. Right. Yeah, it's inter- it's interesting that the movie itself is is sort of lurid and creepy, but the sex scenes themselves are not. Which which yeah. I thought was that they just feel very sexual and and mm-hmm. you know they have a lot of chemistry between the two of them, which is also very nice to see because that's that's something a lot of erotic thrillers tend to lack is uh-huh. chem- chemistry between yeah. the lead actors. And it's such hot chemistry too. Like oh, it's, it's good like chemistry. so much. 
eye contact like Mm -hmm. like you were saying the lack of shame like there is a lack of like embarrassment too when these two people are like let's just see if we kiss good you know and then Mm -hmm. she's just kind of laying on the car and it's just amazing and like i love this (laughs) this is (laughs) this is the kind of sex i want to have you know this is it's awesome but it's interesting, Gina, that you you mentioned that because I think what we're all picking up on is that there's an authenticity, a realness, a power and an energy to these sex scenes that are so exciting. And I don't mm-hmm. just mean like, oh, like I got really excited watching this movie. Like, oh, my <laughs> God, I, I feel refreshed watching this movie. Yeah, it's you know, I totally. miss stuff like this. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. I never get it. Like I I, yeah. I was thirsty for this kind of stuff. <laughs> You've got like, you know, like HBO, like they're, they're dramatic shows. They have pretty graphic sexies, but they're never mm-hmm. sexy. They're, they're no. always, they're, they're always a little sad, a little gross. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's always, it's a lot of times they're used to telegraph that someone is, you know, not mentally well. And, and mm-hmm. it's always with somebody that they're not supposed to be having sex with. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's just, it's not quite the same thing. These were genuinely sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but what's strange is that it it feels like because the sex is so good and the thrills are not, shall we say, as good, Mm -hmm. like, because the film is seemingly disinterested in that aspect, like it's erotic first and thriller second, which is so rare, it feels like that's the thing that all of the critics and the audiences ended up rowing at it and saying well you suck this movie doesn't work it doesn't succeed because it is more interested in the sex than the thrills Mm -hmm. yeah i find that fascinating uh we're such puritans (laughs) yeah totally (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah but that's how we have a society that is ashamed of how we look Mm -hmm. or ashamed to like make eye contact with people or be confident with our bodies if we are over a certain age you know and if if we had more movies like this this will become more normalized so yeah so i read a bunch of reviews because i wanted to get a sense like i remember this movie coming out but i remember completely bypassing it because 2003 i would have been like in my mid-ish 20s and it was very much Mm. like i'm not gonna go see a sexy movie with vague ryan (laughs) what are you kidding me so Mm -hmm. i went back and looked at a bunch of the reviews and even the positive ones are very much like well this character has terrible taste in men and you know she's (laughs) she's going out to bars with this man and his partner like why is she putting herself at risk haven't we seen these kinds of drama before and i'm just like a this is a fucking inversion of basic instinct which everybody lauded like i don't get me wrong i love basic instinct but this is basically a gender flip basic instinct only the sexual agency is being worn sort of on the other foot and it Mm -hmm. i don't know the deeper you start to go down the erotic thriller trail the more you realize that it's honestly a bunch of men talking about how women deserve terrible treatment in these films Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and it's really uncomfortable to revisit. Like, this movie's not that old, and yet we were basically slut-shaming this character and saying the film is a flop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like, why did she do this? Why did she... It's like, mm-hmm. well, I mean... Like, she's a stupid bitch. Why is she doing this? Right. I mean, do you right. have to know? I mean... It's, it's, yeah. Is it important to... to and, 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 you know, once again, to, to fall back on... You know the various discourses that happen now oh God. is like you you can't portray a person doing bad things or doing mm-hmm. questionable things without they're either paying for it in some way right. or having the movie explicitly state okay this is a bad thing that they're doing 
Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times that for me, the the distinction I find with that is like the, the intent of the filmmaker or like the lens through which the filmmaker is viewing her. And I just feel like Jane Campion really likes this character and doesn't, like we mentioned, she doesn't shame her at all, but that she is presenting her as she does this because she's human. She's a real person. And this is shit that real people do, you know, some of it as good choices. Like she leaves that date, that terrible date in the bar because it's terrible, you know, right. that's a good empowered choice. But then, you know, maybe, I don't know, spending time outside of class with her student in the way she does, maybe is not always the best choice. Constantly talking to Kevin Bacon, although he's stalking <laughs> What is her. Kevin Bacon doing in this Ke- movie? Kevin I Bacon. know, but what is oh he doing God, with his character? <laughs> that is wild. Well, yeah. Okay. So we, we haven't really talked at all about some of these supporting characters. So we do yeah. have Kevin Bacon as her creepy neighbor-ish that she used to sleep with and now doesn't. And I, I mean, I'm baffled as you seem to be, Gina. Like, I don't know what this character is doing, who this is. It's He's got this, he's carrying around this little fussy dog, which which I love. Which is hilarious, just picking up poop, like screaming at people. He, I, he feels like he just kind of exists to be a red herring, you know. Oh, yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's several red herrings in this. Her students are red herring. Oh, yeah. Yes. So I will say, Cornelius Webb as her student, I, oof, I did not care for this character. Yeah. If only because it's so obviously a red herring, but then also the kind of weird implications that she may sleep with him, that he may want to sleep with her. I mean, folks, I'm just going to say it. Don't meet your students in bars. That's very dodgy. That was the the one decision that she made where I was like, oh, baby, what are you doing here? Come on. Uh, Like, like, this is just, and that was like relatively early on in the movie before Mm -hmm. she, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, descends into this bizarre world of this relationship she has with this, with this cop. And, but she's just, you know, meeting this kid in bars and working with them and kind of sort of vaguely flirting with him a little bit. A little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I was just like, mm. I, I, I do think that the movie only would have improved by kind of minimizing that subplot a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't love their like climactic scene either. It just felt very like this character is being like unnecessarily vilified. Um, yeah, like Kevin Bacon's character. He is a grown up and he is making some very interesting choices that I think have to do more with mental health. Mm-hmm. This character, especially to be one of the few characters of color in the movie yeah. for it him to be presented in this way, assuming he's a teenager, it just it just felt uncomfortable, you know. Yeah, it's very 2003 treatment of race. Like, yes, we have a person of color in here, but also they're not really given much to do, which Mm -hmm. is honestly the same as Kevin Bacon, but we don't mind it because that's an adult character. And also, like, the film is filled with sort of generic-y white people. It it doesn't matter to have Kevin Bacon in another one of those roles, but when you have the one person who's a darker shade than white, and you're just like, ah, we're doing uncomfortable sexy student teacher things no mm-hmm. i did yeah. i do like the it's, it's talk about you know this character barely erased the supporting character but the uh i guess he was a, a pimp who like oh who mm-hmm. sat outside her sister's the building her sister lived in mm-hmm. I, 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 I love that guy I loved his little his little like like sequin crop shirts with his belly hanging out and all. <laughs> I love he's trying to flirt with the student at one point. He's like, "Oh, help me put my earring back in." I just I just 
<laughs> yes, it was so cute. And his little, like, yeah, his leotard, Patrice O'Neill. Right, he yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's Daryl's friends in the office. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> he shows up every once in a while as one of the office people or the mm-hmm. warehouse people. And I love him, but it, this was a totally different characterization than that character is, you know? So I really oh, him, him and Kevin Bacon almost are almost borderline comic relief. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> but then also weird sort of semi-nefarious hints. Like there's that moment when, um, when Meg Ryan gets on the subway and she sees Kevin Bacon, but the whole thing is that he needs a dog sitter because he's recently under, he's recently gone to med school. And like the way that she interacts with him when she sees him on the subway was he impersonating going to med school? Mm. I, don't, I don't know that I got that impression. Okay. Maybe it was just me. I just I mean, noticed possible. him wearing scrubs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he does seem like the kind of person who would adopt a dog to try to date a girl and then, mm-hmm. like, go to med school to try to, like, be a doctor so that a girl would want to date him, you know? Like, I do feel like there is a deep well of, like, insecurity and fake here's what you want me to be so i'm gonna be it with him which Mm -hmm. could apply to him going to med school i will say i did enjoy seeing him in scrubs (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay so we can add kevin bacon to the slightly creepy men that jen is attracted to oh absolutely yes (laughs) i have a type (laughs) actually i have many types but he's one Gosh. Yeah. Okay, so let, let's talk a little bit about Jennifer Jason Lee as the half-sister. So we tease that their relationship is really interesting, but like, what did you two make of this performance? Oh, I love her. She can do no, she can do no wrong in my eyes. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I loved this characterization. She just, because they're two, they feel like different people. Like Jennifer Jason Lee feels a little more frilly, a little more flighty, but never mm-hmm. in a bimbo way, you know? And Meg Ryan in contrast feels a little more buttoned up, a little more repressed, but never in a like super bitch Lilith from Frasier kind of way. So I really right. enjoyed seeing them just being two different human beings that interact with each other and that have a lot in common, but also kind of have different personalities and they bring things out in the other one at the risk of going too personal uh as someone who has a half sister and we both have shitty parents mm-hmm. i really bought their relationship mm-hmm. <laughs> it was very it felt very authentic to me you got the impression that they were the only only people the two of them had mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh absolutely yeah the moment where they have that conversation about their father and how many times has he been married and where is he and you're just like oh wow uh-huh. Again, this is doing nothing to advance the plot, but it's giving me so much insight into these characters and like what their shared history is. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I kept expecting it. Like I kept trying to make sense of it, I think, and like make sense of this flashback with the parents. And I think if I really, really dug deeply into it, I think I could probably find a through line or like a thesis statement or something. But yeah, I like the way you said it. It just kind of adds depth to these characters that I like. I will say, though, all of these sort of old timey 1910s black and white Lumiere Brothers style flashbacks to the parents ice skating. I was like, I don't care for this. <laughs> oh, I actually kind of liked it. I, I thought that it, because there are certain aspects of the movie that felt very 
dreamy to me not like you know mm-hmm. oh yeah that's that's so beautiful but just like a dream like c- certain right. shots kind of have that blur the, the blurred edging to it yes and there's like mm-hmm. certain points where she seems almost like she's kind of sleepwalking a little bit and and, mm-hmm. and, and I, I don't know if she just supposed to be like you know uh, you know permanent afterglow or something but, <laughs> but uh she's almost kind of like floating through some of these scenes like she's not quite there and and mm-hmm. i feel like those flashbacks which are obviously you know they couldn't possibly be her parents because her parents would have been born would have been like you know met in like the 1960s i hear like as you say they're like this old timey you know victorian style you know ice skating scene and i just i thought it just kind of added a nice sort of weird off-kilter feeling to it i did enjoy watching it i think i sit in the middle of both of you like i don't i could have taken it 11 i'm glad that it was brief you know and okay. I didn't so much love it when she fell and it like the fairy tale turned to darker, but I did really enjoy the aesthetic quality of it. I'm kind of newly really into black and white films for after avoiding them for a long time. And uh-huh. I just really enjoyed how it kind of it just looked because that was really pretty. And yeah. snow, anytime there's snow. I <laughs> obsession with snow <laughs> continues. I know, yeah. <laughs> so I, I'll admit, it's not that I didn't think it was pretty. It was just that I felt like it didn't visually connect well with the rest of the film because mm-hmm. everything that you were talking about, Gina, with the sort of like blurry, soft focus, yeah. It's a very shallow kind of lens. I, I saw a couple of different reviews suggest that this was almost like an inversion of the kind of shots like crisp, cleanness that we would get from a De Palma or a Hitchcock which I thought was like oh that's another maybe interesting way to read this as a female lens like mm-hmm. they're very close shots they're intimate but they're also kind of blurry and I don't know I loved that aesthetic because a it felt both sexy but also hot like this film felt like it was taking place in a heat wave mm-hmm. so I loved mm-hmm. all of that and then to see the kind of very chilly very monochrome very almost like cartoony animatedness of these parental flashbacks like obviously it's very disconnected purposefully so but for me Mm -hmm. visually i just didn't like it it felt two worlds apart yeah i think i kind of agree with you as i hear you explain it and it kind of gives me these this is going to sound like a really weird connection, but like, you know, the house on Haunted Hill with Famke Jansen, mm-hmm. like whenever they have that kind of stop motion, like yeah, black yeah, and yeah, white yeah. films, it yeah, kind of right. gives me a little bit of that, that vibe to it. So yeah, I, I agree. I, I really enjoyed looking at it. I don't know if it really fit or we needed it mm-hmm. or if it had been summertime or if the movie had been winter, although then you couldn't be as naked all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to find like a sexy winter set erotic thriller. Hmm. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jen, you've got you've got a month. It's Gina's picnics and then maybe That's you right. can find us a wintry one. I mean, the sweaters, you know, there we go. Always love a good sweater. Yeah. <laughs> So speaking then maybe of costuming, you know, we talked about the mustache. We have not addressed (laughs) Meg Ryan's lip filler, which was the constant sort of mockery that came out with this film in 2003. There we've addressed it. Let's move on. (laughs) I think she looks great. I think she looks great in this. I think so too. I think she looks like a real person. She does look like a real person. Yeah, I, I particularly like that we get scenes where like she's, very much presented as a kind of, as you said, Jen, a buttoned up kind of school marm. And I think Mm -hmm. the severity even of the cut of the hair 
it's so exact it's so precise you get very much the idea of who she is but then Mm -hmm. when we see her out on these dates she's wearing like loose flowy kind of floral prints and as you said she's she got a great body so Mm -hmm. it's interesting to see how they style the button up to sexiness and how that works on her Mm -hmm. dates and stuff I very much related to her, the, the strap on her dress that would not stay up on her shoulder. <laughs> right? Same. Mm-hmm. And it's those little moments where you think, oh, it's that touch of authenticity. Because I have been out with female friends where it's just like, yeah, the dress doesn't quite fit. Or like, I can't move my arm in one way or the strap will fall off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe I will move my arm in this way so the strap will fall off. They gotta put it back. Um, yeah, I was really fascinated with her styling throughout this. And I think it's really interesting. One, the nudes, you know, that she was wearing and like Jennifer Jason Lee too, like mm-hmm. their their bras are like lots of times are like kind of mesh see-through, and it just it's this really earthy Yes. Uh, authentic vibe that kind of feels like it, it fits in with all of the sex scenes. Like, I, I don't know if like muskiness is quite I the right word. I was just thinking that there's almost like a smell to this film. Yes. Mm-hmm. And not like a, a bad smell, but yeah, no. like earthy, you know, like mm-hmm. really sensual, but like kind of dirty, but not like filthy, you know, that I was really fascinated by. And then when she does wear the dress, First of all, also love the line, do you want to get some decent clothes? And then she's just like, yeah, sure, you know, uh-huh. and not being offended by that. I thought that was a really sweet moment. But like, if you look <laughs> at the dress that she wears on that date, I think the styling of her and Jennifer Jason Lee in this is so specific and so effective that you, she looks fantastic in that dress, but you know, it's not her personality. You know, it's like just to the right of her personality. And Mm. then the dress that she puts on at the very end, when she's, when she handcuffs Mark Ruffalo and has that super hot um, moment with him, like that feels like (laughs) her dress, you know, like it's kind of got this, this high neck, but it's also like kind of, sensuously like a low back and I just think that the styling of it says so much about the character and the intent you know and Mm -hmm. like she doesn't feel super comfortable on this date I think because she's not wearing her own clothes but then in this moment like she could just walk up to him naked but she chooses to put this dress on to be with him which I just thought was really fascinating yeah it's almost like she's cosplaying herself right yeah Mm -hmm. like instead of putting on sexy you know, fake lingerie like you would sometimes otherwise see. She's like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to slip into something I'm very comfortable in so that we can yeah. have really fucking hot sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like my t-shirt is just kind of slipped over or like it's half off and I'm not going to do anything about it. My bra mm-hmm. is kind of hot, but it's not like, exactly. It's not the kind of lingerie you buy to like show off. It's just, mm-hmm. it's cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I will say one of my favorite recurring visual motifs in this film, because we talked about how it's not really that interested in the thriller elements, but there's, I think, a lot of commentary about women and bodies. Mm-hmm. There's emphasis on the words uh, that they use to talk about dismemberment, and mm-hmm. obviously all the victims are women, and there's a fixation with like severing their heads but also giving them rings and i thought Mm -hmm. the the fixation on the ring before the murder and the repeated motif where meg ryan sees 
a woman of color in a white wedding dress standing on the subway platform, but she's like, Mm -hmm. I can't remember if it's that she's bleeding or that she has a stain on the dress that looks like she's been bleeding. But I was like, oh, that's really interesting. There's just constant little brief visual glimpses of like women and their bodies being put in danger. That's kind of like, hey, Meg Ryan, pay attention. The Mm -hmm. universe is sending you a warning. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. And it almost feels like a poem in a lot of ways. It's like the sentences are not completely like spelled out and it's not giving you everything, but it's giving you enough to get a feeling, you know, which is what I kind of got from just the glimpses or like the woman that's sitting at the bar that is just making this eye contact, you know, it's like this is just kind of it's making a statement without spelling it out and letting us just kind of absorb it. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite shots, and and I, I I don't want to profess to think it has any deeper meaning, but there is a a, a scene where she is uh, walking along a subway platform, and there are these two men behind her carrying this enormous flower display. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's like a big red heart that says "Mom" in the middle, and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and for some reason, just I thought that was a really really arresting shot of her with this flower arrangement right behind her like almost like she's almost centered over the heart yeah and Mm -hmm. and i just thought that was very very cool yeah there's a lot of really either beautiful or fascinating shot compositions in this whether they mean something or not it's just like this film is so gorgeous to look at but not in an obvious way, in no. like a really kind of entrancing, intoxicating way. You know, it's like you feel this movie. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the big heart with the mom and then there's the baby charm. And it's really fascinating to see this woman who doesn't really seem to have a ton of interest in kids, like becoming a mom. Mm hmm. You know, even when that is kind of laid out for her and she's even a teacher, you know, and I don't want to stereotype teachers, especially since like I was one, but like she just seems to to not be obsessed with that in a way that I think a lot of movies paint women to be, especially women who are not like just out of college. You know what I mean? Well, that's why I think the wedding dress figure is also important, right? Like basically she's not aware or interested in these quote-unquote traditional female roles right Mm Hmm. yeah (laughs) yeah did you ever just think about not having sex with him i also love that conversation (laughs) 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 like you could just imagine it you just have sex with your hand you know oh boy but also the idea of making appointments with a therapist that you hope to fuck (laughs) yeah that's not what therapy is for jennifer jason lee (laughs) no no Yeah, nobody said these women were making great decisions, but... True. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that felt very um, Carrie Fisher in When Harry Met Sally, you know, Mm. another Meg Ryan movie, actually. Maybe that's why I thought about it, but yeah. Like, I kept wanting Meg Ryan to look over and say, nobody thinks he's ever going to leave his wife. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, and and this turns out to be a character who does have a wife and children. Mm-hmm. shockingly enough mark ruffalo's character of course if folks haven't seen the film yeah oh mark ruffalo <sighs> he's done with marvel right like i'm not a big marvel head but like oh no i'm sure he's, he's gonna, still i'm sure that. he's in that he's in the paint for a while with them yeah okay he, i mean i don't know if there's any gonna be any new hulk movies but mm-hmm. I, i'm sure they're gonna find a way to do something with him yeah. but yeah, yeah. I, I just i don't see him doing anything on this level ever again oh gosh no 
No, it feels like we we get brief moments, particularly with male actors, where they're in that really exciting artistic frame. I feel like we got it with Ewan McGregor. I feel like we got it with Michael Fassbender. We got Mm -hmm. it here briefly with Mark Ruffalo, but then it's like, then they get usurped into either tent poles or, and I don't, I don't want to bemoan like, oh, well, the world is turning into a superhero film because I think there's a reason that that's happened. Like they're so wildly successful that clearly there's an audience and clearly people like them. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's hard not to watch something like in the cut and say, Jesus Christ, look at what Mark Ruffalo is doing with this performance. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's sad to think that we wouldn't get something. I mean, I don't want a repeat of this role, but obviously he has diversity in his resume. Right. Yeah, and I feel like there are like the Daniel Radcliffe's and Elijah Woods and Robert mm, Pattinson's mm-hmm. and Kristen Stewart's, but but their franchises were all like yeah, when they were younger, you know, and it feels like they reached this stage of their life where they kind of yeah. have fuck you money and they can just kind of take whatever roles they want. And Mark Ruffalo, you know, he he's a Marvel superhero. He's got fuck you money too, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that I find very fascinating about In the Cut specifically is that it is a truly adult erotic thriller. Like these mm-hmm. these are characters in their mid to late 30s, if not early 40s. Mm-hmm. I just think, oh, wow. Okay, well, there's there's hope for my sex life. And also, like... <laughs> Same. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. Movie <laughs> sex is always just like, oh... There's a level of athleticism to it and lack of inhibition <laughs> that I just don't think I will ever get there. I know. Yeah. I mean, I can I can hope and dream, but... We all better start stretching is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, man. I slipped on the ice the other day and my knee's been hurting and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to get old and I'm going to die someday. <laughs> so yeah, Jen's erotic thriller is she <laughs> slips on the ice and she meets a kind man. And then they have very, very hot sweater sex. Oh, I mean, I would watch the shit out of that. <laughs> I think it's just a Hallmark movie. It does sound like a Hallmark movie, yeah. Like Hallmark After Dark. You know? There we go. Yeah. Oh, man. There's a there's a genre's way to, be, way to be created. I mean, that sounds like... <laughs> yeah, Gina, I humbly request that in 11 months' time, when we get back to the holiday season, I would like Kill by Kill After Dark to tackle Hallmark erotic thrillers. <laughs> I want to see the two of you sex those up. <laughs> Cupcakes of deception. <laughs> okay, well, any sort of final thoughts on In the Cut? I mean, if you're if you're a bit of a Puritan, don't watch this. Oh, not for yep. you. mm or, you know, maybe do and, like, loosen up a little bit. <laughs> you know, see, it, you know, understand that it's fun seeing actors being sexual. And, yeah, the, the movie is very gritty and very dark. And just because he turns out to not be the primary bad guy does not mean he's a hero either. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he's definitely he's definitely got some darkness, too, yeah. that the, the mm-hmm. film kind of more hints at rather than, you know, overtly illustrates. But it's definitely mm-hmm. there. And, you know, it's kind of up to the audience to decide when she returns to him. And and basically, he's just kind of, you know, sitting there waiting for her and, yeah. you know, obviously forgiving her for handcuffing him to a pipe. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. because you know, he puts his arm around her and they, you know, presumably just fall asleep together. And, and you know, and that's it. That's the end of the movie. And it's like, okay, yep. well, where do they go from here? And, you know, it's no kind of up question. to you to decide. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I do love that last shot. Like there is a really like cathartic sense of coming home there Mm. and like resting, even though it's not, I feel like there is still a lot left up in the air. Oh God. Yeah. But like it really evokes that sense of rest. Like she can finally rest in this moment at least. Mm -hmm. Which is good because she's gone through some fucking drama. Yeah, she has. Yeah, she's. Yeah. I also wonder how much his arm hurts, too. (laughs) And maybe I've just watched Gerald's game too much, but. (laughs) He later had to have the arm amputated because he lost all sensation. (laughs) He did, but she felt really comforted in that moment. So, you know. There we go. (laughs) You know, he, he cares more about her needs. Oh, that's the other thing that maybe we should say is like, how fantastic is it to see him just totally be interested in what she wants? You know? Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And super hot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, totally. Honestly, just so much about this movie felt refreshing and exciting. Mm-hmm. I can absolutely understand why people watch it and they're not wholly satisfied because if you're going in looking for a sexy murder mystery thriller, this isn't really your best bet. But if you're looking mm-hmm. for a really fascinating, almost takedown of the erotic thriller genre, I think this is sensational. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think absolutely. so, too. I think just as with the amount of agency it puts women in, you know, because, and I don't know, maybe this is something we are going to unpack over the course of dissecting a number of films, but it feels like when there is an erotic thriller, like the erotic and the thriller both kind of exist to put women in danger Mm -hmm. and the presumption that they are weak. And so anytime they are empowered in a way that is seductive, it is like inherently bad or inherently like evil or like dangerous you know and i think this one really gives her all the power even though she does seem to be in danger in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. she does feel like she is in control in a lot of other ways yeah yeah and maybe in control in more interesting ways than we're used to seeing Mm -hmm. that i want to see more of (laughs) yes in the cut too in the cutter Mm. (laughs) i will say i did not know that that's what in the cut meant by the way so consider my my cheeks blushing i yeah i i did a total like like leonardo DiCaprio's pointy at the screen moment (laughs) okay yeah that's what i thought it meant right that is what they're talking about that is what they're talking about yep Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like Like the movie is called that (laughs) what balls to call your movie that (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) I mean, not to masculinize confidence, but, you know, Mm. that's awesome. Oh, boy. Okay, well, (laughs) that was delightful and fantastic pick me. I'm actually really happy that turned out because I was worried I was picking maybe a stinker. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. I'd been meaning to watch it for a while. I just just had not gotten around to it. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the conversation about it, too, almost as much as the movie, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say almost as much as that's true. I will say that's one of the things like I'm so happy that we're continuing this project. I know we initially proposed it as just covering Apple TV's physical and that was a lot of fun. But we have had such interesting, varied conversations. Like I'm very excited to embark on a new year with the two of you. Oh, me too. Okay. So before we tell people where we're headed for February, Jen, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Jen Ferratu on social media places, and you can find me co-hosting the Losers Club podcast, which is all about Stephen King, and co-hosting the Psychoanalysis podcast, which is about horror movies and mental health. 
And we may just be having some white ladies in crisis pop up on uh, psychoanalysis. So make sure to check that out. Ooh. Okay. And uh, Gina, where can people find you? I am the co-host of the Kill by Kill podcast, uh, in which we talk about horror movies focusing on the characters and the odd little details. Uh, so our upcoming episodes, we're going to be covering the new Scream, if we are yes. all allowed to go see it. Oh, uh, and then we are going to be getting into the Alien franchise. So, uh, <gasps> what? That, yeah, that's going to be fun. We're really excited about that. Oh my God, yes. And and I also write about movies and television at thespool.net, and I'm on Twitter under Gina Does Things. Fantastic. Yeah, and if folks want to hear me, you can listen to Horror Queers every Wednesday. That's at Horror Queers. And I can be reached on my personal account at B Store My Remote. And that is the letter B. So, Gina, we have circled back to you. So you get to select our film for February. What are we going to watch next? I think, in keeping very much with the theme of White Ladies in Crisis, I would like us to cover The Perfection. Oh, boy. Yay! <laughs> I'm so happy! <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to to get a little bit queerer with this, but also, mm-hmm. yes, we're, we're doing Steven Weber, so you know Jen's going to be happy. Ooh. And then, <laughs> folks, if you have not seen this movie, it is a trip, and uh, yep. I'm so excited to revisit this. Get ready for some body horror. Oh, Jesus, God. There is yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. And cellos. I cannot wait to talk about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yes, uh, that is our pick for February. So get yourselves ready. And until then, hmm, what would we say hmm. here? Don't accept a ride with men into the woods unless you know that they're going to fuck you on the hood of a car and not kill you. Yes. I was going to say, don't accept a wedding ring off the end of a knife. Yeah. Also Don't good. misplace yeah. your handcuff keys. Well, or do, because yeah. that would be kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> priorities. Priorities. Right. Exactly. He definitely liked that up to a point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, until he did not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Onwards and upwards. We'll talk to you folks next month. Squad.